0: Welcome to Lance and Roar. I'm David, your host, and we have a very, very special guest to kick off the first episode of Lancet and Roar, and that is none other than Acting General Manager of the FAI, Noel Mooney. Noel, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. We're in um, we're in Tbilisi, as you say, and I think we're all quite nervous and excited at the same time um, of the game coming up uh, tomorrow night. It's a big match for us. If we can get the three points here... Um, for many reasons, um, not just the qualification for the Euros, but for Irish football. It's really important that we we are successful in the next few days, of course. So we're really hoping that Mick and the boys can bring bring home the bacon, as they say. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge few days for us, obviously going back to Geneva um, to play Switzerland on Tuesday. So we just hope that we can get four or maybe even six points. Maybe I'm being wildly, overly optimistic, I don't know. But I know that we're... we're, we're Expecting good things for his team. It's been a special week for Irish football, I would say. If you look at uh, Tuesday night, where we had five and a half thousand record crowd for the women's team, and I think that Rihanna Jarrett's performance, Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, you know, Megan Campbell's throwing, I think, was one of the most talked about things in Ireland during the week. But I think, and then obviously last night with Stephen Kenny's twenty ones, almost a full house in Tallaght Stadium. Um, there's an excitement around the talent coming through so I mean, I'm here for six months um, what I will say is it's been a bloody exciting four months so far but <laughs> I think it's six weeks to go, it's the end of November yeah. but we can't lose a game at the moment, so I'll touch wood somewhere here yeah. um, to hope that that continues but see, in the last few months we have, the results have just been excellent at every level basically, whether it was Tom Mohan's under-19s getting to the last four in Europe whether it's Stephen Kenny's team who are doing fantastic at twenty ones, the female teams right throughout the age group. So, like uh, three or four years, ago, I remember being at UAF and being quite fearful of for Irish football. I wasn't quite as confident, I suppose, of the talent coming through. Yeah, I think the the excitement around Irish football on the pitch, and I know we'll talk about off the pitch, obviously, yeah. which is very much my role now. But I think on the pitch. Um, even with the League of Ireland, we had meetings during the week about the future of the League of Ireland, there's discussion on the All-Ireland League as well, which is really exciting. I think this is, is, and also the stuff at the FBI in terms of what the report's coming, which will be, you know, you turn any e, negative, like what has happened, into a positive by taking the reports, taking the recommendations and making the association and Irish football much better from them reports. That has to be our goal. So I think it's an extremely exciting time for Irish football. I'm just enjoying the the time here. It's hard work. Yeah, it's <laughs> early mornings and very late nights. It's millions of meetings and lots of arguments and fights and joy and all sorts of emotions. But it's just um, it's just fantastic to um, to be part of it. I'm enjoying every moment. Of it.
0: Oh, absolutely, and um, I mean we we always do in Landsmeer. We always try to you know use the mantra: the future is bikes. Future, is, you know, especially on the. Uh, playing side of it is also. It is very bright. But of course, we're going to touch on some of the um, off-the-ball stuff, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, basically, so currently you're on secondment at the moment yeah. from UEFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, hired, um, you started on the 3rd of June and you had to finish on the 30th of November Correct. Um, after um, John Delaney was sent on gardening leave. Um, a couple of questions about just your role in UEFA. What was it that... you? do or will continue to do in UEFA and how did that idea come about This account.
1: Okay, it's a, it's an interesting question and I'll, I'll try to be as brief as I can. I left the FBI in 2011, I'd had a row actually with the former CEO now, um, about the direction of the League of Ireland actually, the investment yeah. in the League of Ireland um, and I mean you have a choice there, either you become um, bitter towards mm-hmm. the organisation or you set about rebuilding or building something that you can control yourself. Um, And I managed just the timing-wise was good. UEFA had seen me present at a number of events. They'd heard me speak about football. I'd written a paper, some papers actually, on the future of European football that they seemed to quite like. So they invited me to come over to build a programme which was about helping all 55, I think it was 53 at the time, because it's, it's eight years ago now. Um, how to grow European football, in effect. Now, I started in the marketing side, the commercial side. Mm. The commercial side of UEFA is huge. Um, I was very lucky to be exposed to, say, Champions League, Europa League, the centralization of TV rights, some of the biggest sponsorships in the planet. I mean, UEFA would be one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, because European football is where it's at, whether it's club competitions or even the international football, the Spains, the Germanys, the Italy's, etc., France. Um, Europe is where it's at with football. Football is clearly the biggest commercial driver of sport in the world. Uh, more than 40 euros out of every 100 spent on meteorites globally is spent on football. And Europe is the home of it. So, you know, it was quite experienced to go into with it to be part of commercial deals that had a lot more zeros than I was used to working at the FBI or what I was doing before. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just, you know, you either adapted to it or you didn't. And I really focused on my role at UEFA. I really worked hard there and soaked it up like a sponge. I listened and I couldn't get enough of it, actually. So then, um, a few years ago, I was asked to lead, to build and to lead, basically, how to grow European football uh, through a project called UEFA Grow. What that means is I built a team and I built a program that effectively builds European football, which is we work with every federation. So we're sitting here in Tbilisi today. The Georgian Football Federation would, I'd have worked extremely closely with them on all parts of their game. The overall strategy of Georgian football, facility building, the league championships itself, um, TV rights, participation, getting more boys and girls to play football here, working with the government. So, I mean, the role you UEFA is so interesting because there's very few people actually do this, where their job is to work with every federation in Europe and to lead that is a great honour um, and it's one that I really, I suppose, I really enjoyed very much. It's so stimulating, it's so enjoyable growing European football. But when the FBI got in trouble um, and this this thing started, this chaos, I suppose, started and it was just a, a shit storm, I suppose. It was, yeah, 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 you know, look, that, that, um, that period was just a really weird period actually at the time because I realised Irish football was in real trouble. Um, and it was something that you never wanted to see Um, but then you realised that the FBI was now in real trouble because a lot was dependent on a person or a small group of individuals and once that all fell apart uh, the FBI was in real, real trouble I can tell you. Yeah, so I I suppose just to to finish out the point, the FBI then really needed leadership um, and they needed money so they came and met UEFA and the leadership I suppose it's quite interesting because I don't know if there's any other country in Europe can say that the person from their country leads the growth of European football and does the building of football yeah. federations. And it just so happens, I suppose, that I was Irish. I understood how the members work, how the League of Ireland works, because I'm from the league, grassroots football, because I run a grassroots club down in Limerick. So the fact that you had the experience and the context in UEFA and FIFA, you had the ability, I come from a commercial marketing background, the federation desperately needed money. Um, so... If you put all that together, how to build the federation, restore calm in the staff, restore calm in the members, to get the federation yeah. calm, solid again, financially, um, I emotionally even I would say, <laughs> just to get a sense of confidence back into the federation, yeah. that was crucial. And I think if you looked around Europe, maybe there are loads of other people could do it, but I think the FEI felt that with my experience of of knowing Ireland and knowing European football and no knowing gold, basically. it was just, it seemed kind of, I presume it made sense to them and I suppose I got a surprise, I was called in to say, look would you be interested in in going back to, to, to sort out the Federation for the next number of months, yeah. um, working with a, with a new board and I said yeah, now I had a quite interesting discussions with my missus on that, uh, we were expecting our first child, so we were living in Switzerland obviously beside UEFA, so when this came up, we did have some serious conversations. So I have to thank her a lot because she's in Estonia at the moment. She had the baby in Estonia, um, which was difficult because I was in Ireland up to my tonsils and stuff. And she was having our first child in Estonia. So she was very good to let me stay for six months. I have to say, if there's any talk of any extensions to the six months, I think that would create a huge problem in the Mooney household. Um, so um, I have to thank her for letting me do it. But I have, as I say, it's, it's four and a half months now nearly. Yeah. I've enjoyed it every, single moments of it i feel very calm in the role there's a lot coming on the track still we have the accounts the second part of the agm which will include the accounts which will obviously be a readjustment of the fei finances you're going to have um cozy report coming soon which is commissioned by sport ireland which will look at the controls regu- the financial controls etc of the fei you will have then the Mazars report um, which will look at a slightly look at broader than that Um, and we're working with Grant Thornton on business planning. So there's there's so much coming on the tracks. We have the 78 governance review recommendations that need to be implemented. So I mean, if you look, I've got a, I think on a focus chart that we use at UEFA, which allows you to write all the things you're doing. And the focus chart at the moment is extremely long. It's quite scary to look at the length of it, but thankfully we're ticking off one by one what we need to do. Um, And that's crucial. I've got another six weeks to deliver what I said I would deliver to the board when I came in. We're well on track to do that. Um, and I just want to finish out the six weeks with hopefully Ireland playing in the European Championships uh, next summer in Dublin, Please and obviously it. the women, um, the women's national team, which is starting to really build momentum with Vera Powell, who we brought in as the manager. Yeah, high profile, yeah, Yeah, and that was an interesting experience because it was the first manager I'd hired with board, I suppose, because at UEFA, obviously, we don't have any teams, we don't have any managers, we need lots of them, we don't hire any of them, so to be in the position where hiring a manager was on our agenda. There was a lot of pressure on us from different quarters to do this and that, but we kept our cool head, we took our time and we got who I believe is someone who can really uh, transform this team. We're kind of hoping it's going to be like Jack when he came in uh, in the mid-80s, what he did for men's football in Ireland. We're hoping that Vera and Eileen and this talented group that they've got, if they get to the Euros next summer in England, that will be huge profile. Our feeling was if you got the right manager with this group, management with this group, we really could transform women's football. We've got about 25,000 registered players. I think that we can triple that over the next number of years um, with the right focus and investment on it. And I think we can create ever increasing, better players and play in major tournaments much more regularly. So that's that was great to get Vera and Eileen in yeah. and the results against Ukraine didn't I? Um, even though we had some wobbles. Um, along the way it, it was either. two up and then back to two two when I was panicking. Um but we got there in the end, so
0: Yeah, yeah. and it was also a massive um even on, on our uh, answer note page, some like, you know, we put the score up and it was like everybody was getting behind the post, like mm-hmm. you know, so there does seem to be movement now behind mm-hmm. women's football now, which is great to see of course mm-hmm. um, on all levels. Um when you got to Abbottstown, obviously all the stuff come out with Mark Tig mm-hmm. and you know you say it was a bit of a shitstorm. What did you find in Abbottstown? I mean, the morale must have been absolutely on the floor.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. When I arrived in Abbottstown, it was um, it was quite f- ironic, I suppose. When I arrived, I think it was a Friday, I was going to spend the weekend in Dublin, uh, uh, getting back into the Irish way of life, uh, looking forward to that <laughs> Monday. And as I arrived, I got a phone call to say we just had a cyber attack. Now, on top of everything that that was happening, to have a bloody cyber attack on top of that. Now, (laughs) thankfully, we actually managed it. It was the first big test I got before I even started. The way our team um, managed that circumstance, the way they dealt with it was actually very good. And we came out of it uh, well, I would say, um, without losing the information that would have crippled us without um, too many problems. So that was the start. But already, morale was absolutely on the floor. I looked around at the staff. And I could see they were just devastated for many reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the first thing to do was, I was actually talking to Mick McCarty on the flight here last night about change management and about if you go into a group that's demoralized or if they are yeah on the floor, how do you, you know, we, we talked about motivating people. Mm. And we actually came up with a similar philosophy, actually, which was you can't go in and start, you know, beating the shit out of people or being punishing people. I mean, too no. hard them. You must um, give them the opportunity to express themselves. And that was the first couple of weeks was listening. So what I did was I did some roundtable meetings with the staff that seven or eight would come in. And they could share their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their frustrations, the things that they felt that we weren't doing very well, the things that really made them irate. Are the things that they felt that we could do better. And that was uh, interesting because it was weird things like um, from the size of the kettle in the canteen to pensions to, now we've developed that. I mean, that was the very start, listening. Yeah. So that allowed you then to realize what they really wanted. They did want leadership, but I'd like to think that what we did in terms of setting some clear focus areas and all my senior management team have clear focus areas for the six months, that gave everyone, I hope, a sense of, um, of certainty. Um, the finances, obviously, were extremely tight on on money, mm-hmm. so I had to focus on that as well. Just getting money in really quickly, and that was through our partners. UEFA, really, people like FIFA, signing the the contracts with various sponsors like Nissan, etc. Yeah. Who are Champions League sponsors, of course. They sent out messages of confidence um, in the middle of a difficult period. I mean, to bring in as a um, we've got New Balance obviously signed for six years now, 2026, 20 which is a big deal. We signed the biggest TV deal in the history of, um, of um, Irish football um, with UEFA on the centralised TV rights, which was a massive step for us. So, I mean, we've other big sponsorships we're working on now. So that shows that we're commercially viable, I guess. Um, we're commercially attractive. The brand can be far, far, far better. Um and the brand will be far better once we go through everything we have to go through. But we needed to send early wins, quick wins, I guess. You need this <coughs> staff you need to do. You need quick wins. You yeah. need the staff to go. Okay, we've done that well. We've done that well. And what was helped by it was nothing to do. With me, I can tell you, was the results. By the way, you know we the early. I came in and we had the match against Denmark away, and we're down one 0 They've scored late. You think, oh god, here we go. Now that's going back to Dublin with a loss. And putting us on the back foot was... And then Big Duffy jumps up. And we just saw him a few minutes ago here walking through the hotel. Yeah, He jumped up and he fucking, you know, <laughs> knocked two lads out of the way to beat Schmeich with the header. And it was funny because there's nothing you can do watching the game. Nothing. Mm. But you realise that when the, you see the net shaking, that things are different. Because yeah. the morale is different. And no, we shouldn't be reliant on the national team winning matches. We shouldn't. And the business should not... We don't even our budgets, qualifying for Europe, yeah. for example... But there's no question that when our national team wins matches, men and women, when they win games, it sends a confidence boost around the country for our members, for the clubs, everybody. So if we can play in Dublin next summer, um, them two, two home matches that we would have in the Aviva Stadium, um, and hopefully we can get into the last 16 and beyond, what that will do for Irish football will be immense, so we cannot divorce ourselves from what the national team um, yeah. Means to the people, so that that was a quick win. That was nothing to do with me, but there was lots of other quick wins, yeah. I guess, which was focusing everybody on growing the grassroots, um, getting the national league clubs. So the League of Ireland for me is something I come from, is something that I would know very well. It's something that I would have shared a lot of frustrations with a lot of people, and we could have done more. Mm-hmm. We can do more. I work with leagues all over Europe, and I believe there's a really bright future for the League of Ireland if they let us to to get at it, I guess, and, and to make the changes you need. And there's, that, there's the moment now where we're talking about the All-Ireland League, which I think is quite exciting. The FA is excited by the yeah, idea of an All-Ireland League. What is the progress currently yeah. on that? Well, the progress is that, you see, you have this really nice, um, this nice concept by Kieran Lucid, which I really like. I think it's a good concept, uh, which is an All-Ireland League that I've met Kieran. we We've brought him in. We've met the clubs together. He's presented it. Clubs are excited in many ways about it. But as the FA, we also have to make sure that if this doesn't work for whatever reason, back back? we have to have a, a backstop, if you want to call it that. Oh, <laughs> uh, <Jesus. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. We have to make sure that if that doesn't come off for whatever reason, mm. it could be to UEFA Places, it could be to the buy-in from a federation, from us, or wherever it is, I don't know. Sponsors may not buy into it, I don't know. H- how
0: um, about the IFA? FFA, O'Lakey, O'Lakey. We haven't
1: discussed it massively with them. We meet the IFA on various issues, like the bid to host the under-21... European Championships in 2023, which is a lovely um, all-island concept. World Cup 2030 with the partners in England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Lots of things we discussed about. The all Ireland League is something that we have purposefully, we've kind of discussed it on the fringes. But we listened to Kieran, and Kieran's a really good guy, a really nice guy. And he just said, look, I don't want you to speak to UEFA or the IFA about this at the moment. Mm -hmm. Let's get the clubs behind it first. Get the clubs in a place where they're really keen to do it. Um, um, and then we go from there. So They are meeting on the 24th of October in Dundalk, a number of clubs from um, from the League of Ireland and from the Irish League um, are meeting in Dundalk. I think that'll be very interesting to see Kieran presenting what meets on the bones in terms of finances, because clubs of course will react to more finance, naturally. And if he can demonstrate that it's really guaranteed finances are certainly heading in that direction, um, then I think it's a really good concept, the all League. I'm hopeful that it will have enough, but at the same time, it really must. It's a responsibility of the FA to insure, and the clubs to ensure that they have a future mapped out. If that does not work, it would be ridiculous to put all of your eggs in yeah. a basket that hasn't been signed off yet. So what we're trying to do is make sure that there is a clear path marked out. The clubs are happy, I, I think, with what someone, we've done.
0: Some of those did get leaked out, didn't they? They
1: did. I was very disappointed with that, actually, yeah. because... We had a meeting, um, oh, a while back of the working group. So we had the 20 clubs in. We brought in Niall Quinn and, and his divisionary uh, group, and Kieran Lucy came in and presented. And we had other stakeholders like the PFAI, like um, the uh, League Managers Association, the Supporters Network came in, which is very nice. I really enjoyed that getting all the stakeholders, a lot of the stakeholders in the room, to discuss the future of the league and then to um, to come up with it started to crystallise then. Um, what the clubs wanted to do over time, and we've just worked with them. We had a working group with eight clubs that started to meet with a couple of really good guys from um, who work with UEFA on Champions League, Europa League, and various leagues around Europe. We brought them in, and they facilitated that. To be fair, the eight clubs, um, the eight clubs found a way. Um, they've got a path. They presented to the twenty clubs, the full twenty clubs last week. Before the women's international in Tala, and I think there was a sense in the room that yeah we've got a really good way forward. We need to get better broadcast deals. We need more commercial revenue. We need more better marketing. We need all that stuff, and we're pretty clear what we need to do there. Absolutely, Um, there was a question um, I I actually did need to ask you was
0: um, I noticed on Twitter obviously Mm. League of Ireland has a huge following on Twitter, yeah, and there's a lot of diehards on there, (sighs) and. Um, I know some Derry City fans couldn't mm. get access to yeah. League of Ireland game because it's geo-blocked. because yeah. strictly political sense Derry is, well, yeah. hopefully I don't get to trouble for saying this is part of the United Kingdom in mm. terms of a broadcast mm. uh, structure. Um, so, I mean, little challenges like that, I mean, how did, how does that work? If you're a Derry City fan, you yeah. and RT are showing a match, you can yeah. watch your match on RT. Well, what
1: happened, I, I think traditionally it was never a problem with it. Uh, yeah. I think we got an inquiry in from the RT to talk about the contract. And the contract we'd actually signed... With them was for um, the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. and we have a contract signed externally. Now the contract signed externally, like the business in Northern Ireland for that, is not going to be enormous. No. it's more of the international market. So, what happened was it got quite technical. Where um, RT were, were, to be fair to them, were just doing their contract. They went back and looked and said, "Okay, we only got twenty six counties. We do that." But we met with um, RT very quickly and said, "Look, you know, let's let's get make sure the game is being shown." Um, the games being shown in Northern Ireland, which are all Ireland, which is really important to us. Absolutely, yeah, it's really important to us. I mean, one of our top clubs, yeah. as you say, is geographically in in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, it's it's in another territory geographically, but they play in our league, to, um, and they're a huge <laughs> and, uh, club that we're very close to. So yeah. we want the fans there to see it. Absolutely. Of course we do. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it it was a strange and really only because it was not that big a deal from a commercial sense but if you are the fan who can't see it then it's a very big deal of course yeah and also you had there was um, there's intermediaries so it's not RT just themselves showing it. I think they go through Sky or something
0: free um, I think it's Premier Sports in the UK yeah something
1: like this so there was it, it wasn't just RT now there was another hmm. part of this jigsaw which prevented it being shown the last day I believe so RT were fine yeah. But apparently, it got blocked somewhere else. So, it, yeah. just to be absolutely clear in this, the FBI wants you all to watch the match. Right. Um, we did a deal outside of Ireland, so everyone in the world could see the match. People in America yeah. and Australia can watch our football. Bob, um, it was just the the way we're set up, I suppose, because um, it was one of Letter our clubs. Law, basically. Yeah, it was, and we would say to RT, "Look, just show the games in." So in. go. On. Going forward, yeah, der- we have no restriction. What well, I can say, yeah. we have no restriction on it for RT. Right, we don't have like we would say to them, go and show the games. And
0: um, what was RT's reaction yeah. to that?
1: Yeah, they were delighted. They were receptive. Yeah, yeah okay. fine. Like it was, a, I wouldn't say a storm of teak. It wasn't even that, but it was just, uh, just a, a technicality more than anything. To be quite honest, which and that should be solved going forward. And if it's not solved, um, we'll make sure it is solved. Yeah, no question. No,
0: oh, no, that's good to hear. Um, just going back to um, your. Um, general manager of the Mm. FEI a good old pal of yours Uh, Mr Shane Ross Minister for uh, Tourism and Sport Mm. um, he had just a slight issue uh, Mm. with you when you took over the role and I'm just going to read out some of the quotes and some of the things he said Um, Shane Ross found the move cynical Um, brazen backsliding from the FEI board of promises made um, that giving you the job was going back to the dark ages and that uh, Noel Mooney is one of the last people on earth suitable for this job. Now, obviously that last quote there, um, considering what you explained slightly earlier about your role with UEFA, Mm. would that not make you a more suitable person for the job?
1: Well, you'd imagine this, um, being the person who works with all the federations, and building the federations around Europe, that you'd be the most suitable person in many ways um, to manage the FA. It was a surprise to me, obviously, because I don't know Shane Ross at all. Um, so I was actually, the weekend The weekend before I came home, I was actually in Estonia and uh, my phone, something went up my phone, someone sent me a text. I said, you need to read this thing from, I think it was the Sunday Independent or something. It was some open letter where he wrote that stuff. Yeah. And I was reading that and I was thinking to myself, am I living on the same planet or what? I mean, all that happened was, I used to work in Irish football and middle management many, many years ago. I went to and um, built up my knowledge, experience, career in UEFA, and to see that the person who's working with the federations, who happens to be Irish, who understands the members, understands the commercial market in Ireland, understands how things did work, would have frustrations about how things did work, and would have worked in such a way that I said to myself, if if I ever went home and did the job, there was a lot of frustrations I had about how things worked, that I would change them. Mm -hmm. So I would come in hoping to be very much a change agent, and I think I mean, we can discuss in a, while, a lot of the things that we've already done um, within the effort to change things in a pretty radical way, I would say. Um, I was just surprised, and I was a bit shocked when I saw it, because it just, I didn't understand it. Um, just, I, I really couldn't understand it. Have
0: you, because he did say when when you were, because doing my research through the archives, and he did say when you were appointed that yeah. uh, he, he was happy to meet you. Have you met?
1: No. Um, I haven't really met him ever. Um, I wrote to him early on when I got in. And I got an acknowledgement, I think, of the letter, but nothing happened. I mean, there was no, yes, I'll meet you. Nothing. And then I sent another message uh, relatively recently, I think. Um, but no, there's been no reach out. I mean, we would bump into their officials at matches and different yeah. things. There is no plan to me. I think that's a terrible shame, actually, because I think if we'd have come to and explained what we were trying to do. I mean, we've only got six weeks left. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is, uh, I wonder, was there a knowledge deficit there? Because the FBI, you know, had to put up with that um, commentary. But they knew there was very few people who could jump into that instantly, hit the ground running, and save the FBI from imploding. Yes. And they knew that would have had the skill set and experience to manage the thing. And I'd like to think that four months into it, the board would, would would certainly stand by that decision. But what I couldn't understand was I'm not staying, so I'm only here to help the federation get through its most darkest days in many ways. Yeah. So I couldn't understand what the what that was about really, because you know the FBI desperately needed help. Desperately. Yeah, I mean to be fair with Shane
0: Ross, he's not very educated and thinks football in Ireland. I mean this is a guy who did um, praise John Delaney. On, um, yeah news talk, um, saying that all the fans are always saying lovely things about him at matches and stuff when there was protests going on. (laughs) So, yeah, he's not the best. I mean, one of the major issues that Mm. Ross had with you was the fact that you worked for the FAI under John Delaney. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, but that was in a marketing role. Okay, so
1: I worked in the... This is... uh, (laughs) I find that incredible, actually, because I worked in the FAI with about 200 people. I was junior manager. I mean, I just can't see the link there, I mean, at the end of the day, because um, I didn't have a job, basically, when I finished playing football. I applied for a job of national coordinator of the Club Promotions Officer Programme, a wonderful title, which was to do what was taking over the league at the time. And I worked my ass off uh, to understand how the marketing of football worked. I studied every night, I would say. I went back to college to do marketing degrees, all this kind of stuff, and business stuff. So I really worked to 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 make that happen, then when the Vantage stuff failed, I guess the tickets for the Viva stadium, the FA got into real financial difficulties, which is very much central to the story of what we're talking about today. Ten years later, as one of the reasons why I left the FBI for sure, um, because of the lack of investment in the league, because which came from um, the failure, I suppose, of the stadium tickets to sell around 2009. Um, so. Like I wasn't um, anywhere close to the decision making. It's like saying bloody the janitor or the or the bloody um, people person who runs you know the football for all program shouldn't run the FBI because they once worked there. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like saying anyone whoever um, was in Fianna Fall for example shouldn't uh, run for government now because they were in a Fianna Fall where things with the banking crisis they were in power at the time. It just that doesn't make any sense because yeah. there's good people. Like, I would very much have the view that there's very good sides to me, and there's probably sides to me that are not great either. No one's perfect. Um, and there are probably things that I'm not brilliant at, I don't know. But I thought at that moment, I was certainly, the, I would believe the most of the board felt. I was the right person to jump straight in there and help the FBI. I could not understand. Now, what I can understand, to be fair to, to him, I mean, he's talking there about, pra- you're talking there about praising um John Delaney, um, a few years back. That's politics. Politics, I understand how that works. And what, you know, the going at the FBI now, I understand how politics works. I'm not naive yeah. to to understand how this all works. So for me, uh, like even, I mean, we can talk about a couple of people said that when I came back one time to the AGM of the FBI, I said nice things about the FBI. I mean, in my role at UEFA, there's politics attached to that as well. So we're not going to turn up at an AGM. And start insulting our host. That's just not how life works. So, anyone who's got common sense would go, "Okay, he said some nice things about the FBI. He worked at UEFA is a members' organisation. The FBI is one of fifty-five members. They're our owners, effectively. Now, I'm not an auditor. I'm not an inspector. I'm not Inspector Morse. I'm not um, I'm not Colleen Rooney. I can't <laughs> figure this stuff out. Um, if it, I'm not as say, I don't. I didn't know all the details of, uh, and we still don't know because we're still going through all the reports. But I would have, like, I'll give you a simple example. Um, Two weeks ago, the FBI went gold in terms of grassroots. So there's a UEFA grassroots charter. For the first time, UEFA have got into the top 13 countries in Europe, putting those alongside the likes of England, France, Germany, how we develop the grassroots game. People do not want to hear that. They want to hear bad stuff about the FBI. It's interesting just to hear bad stuff about the FBI. But I say, no, there's many brilliant people who work on the coach education. You look, we had a group in UEFA last week with Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, all these brilliant young coaches. I spoke to Robbie the other night. I've spoken to Mick about our coach education. They think we're top drawer at what we do. So the FEI does many magnificent things. But I suppose what happened is we had, um, the FEI had a very strong um, chief executive, and you can argue too strong. Um, He came in. On a on a, I suppose, a change agent. I suppose, with positive thoughts. I have to assume he had extremely positive ideas. And again, it's not black and white. There's grey areas in this. I mean, if you go to Abbottstown today and you look at the training pitches, our coach education, there's many good things that happen. Look at the high performance. Um, structures that we have that have have certainly contributed to all these this great talent coming through, emerging talent programmes, the new National League structures, 13s, 15s, etc., which will continue to develop. There's many good things happened, of course, and there should be, of course there should, over the last um, 15 years while uh, John Delaney was the CEO. And these reports, what will emerge from it is things on governance and things that just weren't right, I have to assume. And that that's, again, I'm saying to you that there's there's. It's not all black and white. It wasn't just a dreadful 15 years. No. But I mean, for fans, I think it's yeah. fair to say and we're all fans yeah. of the national team as well. We're all League of Ireland fans. Yeah. We would have had huge frustrations with well, well. how the thing. Um, I mean, the League the of Ireland happened. has been
0: neglected for decades, generations. Um, mm. you know, the, the national team, the, the senior men's team, always been a cash cow. Yeah. And I know. Obviously yeah. There's plans to change all that. Right. Mm. So, do you look back yeah, at some but, of the comments? Mm. Um, that, that you, obviously you didn't know no. what you know now do you mm. look back at some of those and oh, go
1: um, I don't only because of my job as a diplomat with UEFA going yeah. to a country and if I turn up in Turkey and start insulting them and saying that they're crap at this or they didn't, like start yeah. insulting who the person who runs the organisation like let's be honest, that is not That's planet not- Earth, no. it just doesn't work um, so you have a choice in life I mean, when I finished with the FA in 2011 you can take the bitter route, which is just stand outside and throw stones at them and moan for the rest of your life. That's a choice you can take.
0: We'll get to that later. Yeah,
1: you can you can take that route. And that's yeah. a, an honourable route for yes. some people. But it's not the route I was going to take. The route I was going to take was to stay close to how things were. I'm, in UEFA even, I would read a lot about what was happening in Irish football. I'd come home and go to the odd like, match or I'm involved in a grassroots club in, in Limerick. So I kept my finger on the pulse of it. I kept an eye on what was happening. So if, if anything, I, didn't, I had no idea this was going to happen the way it walked out, but that I felt close to Irish football so that when the chance came, if the chance came, that you could be a positive force for Irish football. I mean, for me, one of my life aims is to have Irish football as the number one sport in the country in every area. That's attendances, interest, viewership, participation. That for me, if I die with Irish football number one at everything that we do, then I'll be a very, very happy person. In, my short, in our short lives, if that's what we can deliver, the funny thing is we actually know pretty much how to do it. I can see in my head clearly how it could be achieved. And I hope over the six months I'll have a better sense, yeah. even from seeing... I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge patchwork quilt Irish football of local chieftains of different structures. And we also have a propensity for killing each other in Irish football and there's different affiliates fight with each other. Managing that is not always simple. And because there was a strong leader there for a long time, he managed that relatively well, I would say. Um, So that was a strength. That was a strength, by the way, of... Bringing the regional. Yeah, yeah. But look, we're now going to move away from the John Delaney chapter. Um, My feeling is that we need to be positive in the future. I think there's, you know, with the new directors coming in in the next few weeks, four new independent directors, the reports, a new strategy being done for the Irish football, which must be done, all of the things that are happening. Um, I think it's time to move on and look to the future. I mean, as I say, if you want to, if people want to get hung up, that I turned up at an AGM in 2017 and said that they were great and that John was an inspiration. That if people want to get hung up on that and they think that that's really important, um, I think that's completely the wrong argument, and again, I would have to say, as somebody who walks for UEFA, I don't really know what I should say, you know, do I just say, you know, yeah, you my fine.
0: Just one last bit, John Laney, did yeah. you ever hear, I mean, we all heard rumours, Yeah. did you ever hear rumours in Switzerland, or? Well,
1: what we would have known, I don't think it was a secret, was that the FBI was tight on cash. Yeah. That's what we knew, Even I mean, that, that wasn't a... John was coming out and saying that.
0: We'll be debt free by 2020
1: and all this stuff. yeah well he come from an accountancy background I guess yeah. um, and so he understood um, what that meant but that doesn't mean you're not going to be cash tight mm. I mean you can be debt free which you still can be very tight in cash of course so I mean he he had said that that we would be debt free by 2020 the view now is well we know now we won't be yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have a debt for for quite a few years we're gonna extend out the terms of the Viva and all that of course we will and we will try to protect money to invest back into the running of the game uh, next year, the year after, and the year after. That must be done.
0: Yeah, because I think that that was a huge thing um, criticism of the FBI at the time. Yeah, was that it, it was just this obsession of getting debt free with stadium and not and actually taking away from grassroots and taking money away because were just. Yeah, I'd have to. I didn't
1: understand what the rush was. I just couldn't personally yeah, understand. Everyone just, has debt. So. Everyone has a debt. I mean, we all yeah. have mortgages in our houses or whatever it is. I mean, death is not a bad thing if you're trying to create something, an asset that's going to make money. Absolutely. And the Aviva Stadium can make money, of course it can. I mean, hopefully we will sold out for the Denmark game. Seasons tickets are good next year. You know, once the Euro, all that stuff, if that comes together, the Aviva will be an asset for Irish football that delivers money back to um, back to the various parts of the game, of course. But I um, I didn't understand what the rush was to to be dead free, I just could not understand that personally. Yeah. Uh, but now that's that them goalposts have moved significantly, and yeah, it's a different attitude more, now. Ma- hopefully, more manageable. Gary. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the things you have tried to do uh, since you've come in uh, with your six months is building bridges.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I remember actually, I we actually met in Blatchestand. Don't know if you remember. Yeah. And uh, one of the things it was at the Chris Awards and one thing said to you is that you know we need a transparent FAI to yeah. restore us trust and confidence in the organisation to which you agreed yeah. um, do you feel the FAI has done this in the last six months?
1: In terms of being open and transparent I think absolutely I mean you see I would meet journalists quite regularly I do press stuff I do, do Twitter right or all that yeah like there's nothing to not be transparent about but at the same time what is frustrating for us? What was frustrating for us, I suppose, is you had legal issues. You had some quite serious legal issues, legal constraints, which means you want to say everything, but you obviously have to be mindful of the legal issues that are out there. Now a lot of them have been. We've moved beyond that. What comes next are reports, but again, I mean, people would say, "Ah, oh, publish everything," and yeah, as a fan, you'd love to publish everything, yeah. but if the legal advice is if you do that, then you're endangering people and endangering the FBI and there could be defamation and there could be millions of viewers of claims against the organisation, well, you'd be a bit foolish to do that, no? Of course, yeah. No, no. I, um. But in terms of and transparency, I mean, I'll give you an example, there's a good friend of mine, um, Neil Horgan, who, um, he's a former Cork City player, we played at Cork City together, he's a great guy, he's, he's uh, studying to be a lawyer, uh, he's nearly there, but um, he's become a bit of a journalist, I suppose, and he's done a podcast and he's written books, uh, he's, done, he's done his third book. The third book is called the crossroads and um, the rise of the rebel army and crisis of the FAI." and neil and i will launch that book um, in the FAI on the 23rd of october it brings you right up to date on the crisis in the FAI, um, how the last six months or so or five months have come about and where we are like you know the damage that has done to irish football and what we're trying to what we're facing i guess but i have to say as we sit here in in tbilisi I feel very calm about what, as, how we've managed to walk away out of it. I see the reports coming. I know the governance review recommendations are there. We've got a good board that'll be joined with four new independents. I feel we're in a really good place. I'm really excited about what we're going to do. Um, there's going to be skirmishes. I mean, you reach out to people who maybe have fallen out with the FA in the past. And people like um Owen Hand, for example, yeah. who had fallen out of the FA. Owen's a good guy. Um I'm from Limerick. He was a manager of Limerick when we I think won the one that last won the league when Owen was the manager. He was someone who I was really happy to meet up with and to bring him back to the games and he spoke at the uh, Bulgaria game recently to the to the fans, you know, at half time and all yeah. that stuff. So that was really nice. Yeah. You know, there was other reach outs that probably didn't work as well, I suppose. Um, on,
0: on that topic, uh, Brian Kerr. Yeah um, now, Brian Kerr came out and said that, well, he, he went public with an email uh, to and fro you guys had, um, he said that you asked him to be a media watchdog, um, he said it sounded very Soviet era union and he also asked for you not to contact him again, um, I mean, how did, just a couple of questions, about how did that come about, what happened and what are your thoughts on Brian well,
1: Kerr? Well, the first thing about Brian Kerr is you yeah, have huge ad- admiration. Uh, I love listening to him, actually. you know, He's done so much with League of Ireland, which is obviously close to my own heart. I remember playing against the St. Pats teams. And, of course, with the Irish youth teams, he was outstanding. Um, um, and you know, he became the manager of the senior team and, and that finished up, I think, it was around 2005. I think. 2005 was, yeah. yeah. Against Switzerland, um, so, I mean, that's 14 years ago. It's a long, long time ago. Um, so he had whatever he had with the FA back then. So, I mean, at UEFA, I'm quite used to dealing with managers all around the world, really. You know, top managers of Champions League clubs and European clubs. And I have never seen anything like, quite like this, um, a private conversation. email. So I wrote to Brian and just said, look, I'd love to meet you for a coffee and talk about how you could, you could, you know, help Irish football. That was basically it. And so there was a couple of emails exchanged. But I have never seen uh, private conversations or communications just... Taken from the private world and just said to the media, I was really surprised and disappointed um, that that happened. But at the same time, it's Brian Carr. He's a hero of Irish football. I don't want to get into any row with Brian Carr in a million years. I want to listen to him talk about football. I want him to be part of Irish football. But I just wonder has he gone, you know, has the bitterness become too much for him and he just can't get out of it? Um, Sometimes that just happens. I've met people who they can't get their head past something and that for me is quite sad because um, I he, really I really think he could have he could is have somebody that should have been involved yeah. at some capacity with the FBI. yeah just absolutely Absol- yeah and nobody's disagreeing with that yeah there's yeah. nobody disagrees with that like we all would love Brian to be part of Irish football but he chooses to do it he chooses it's his free will um, and while he chooses to to not uh, help us with the strategy of Irish football and what we're trying to do then. That's his prerogative book. I suppose on that I really like Brian for his um, contribution to Irish football. I'm disappointed that he leaked a private conversation what he said was absolutely nothing like what was intended. Yes. Like Media Watchdog, like, it just doesn't make any sense what is whatsoever. Media watchdog? I don't know. A like, Media Watchdog to me is somebody who comments on an organization, so I don't quite know what he meant by it, because did he think that we were going to hire him in Abbottstown to read the newspapers and watch the telly and tell us when someone says something bad about us? It just is the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard. And it was just weird for me. Uh, it was like reading the Shane Ross stuff. I was just, jeez, they just see us as an easy an easy target of some sort. It's easy. It's populist as well. It's popular to kick the FAO. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, and that it for me is frustrating because it's Irish football they're kicking. Yeah. They're kicking Irish football. I don't think they think about that sometimes. They just go out. It's easy. It's populist. It's lazy. It's boring Yeah. for me. Um, why not say, okay, if it's not how I want it to be, why can't I make it better? Why can't I play a role in making things better instead of just sitting there moaning and groaning about everything? That's easy. Anyone can do that. You can get paid a lot of money if you moan loud enough. Um, But that's not my route, no. It's about um, making the game better, changing the FBI into something that we can be proud of, a trusted organisation that has a clear plan to create better players, more players, better facilities, better League of Ireland, better Women's National League, uh, have a better effect on Ireland. Because Ireland football should be used to create a better country.
0: Yeah, I remember the World Cup in the 90, just... Confidence came into the country. It did, but even
1: people playing football. I mean, yeah. we recently yeah. put out results where football has brought more than a billion euros to the economy of Ireland in terms of mental health, physical health, the economy itself, building jobs that go into sports. You know, coaches feel better about their lives when they get into coaching. Players feel better when they do activities like sports. Football gets into communities that possibly no other sport can really get into. Um, it's everywhere. Football has been played everywhere. And we should be very proud of our sport. And that's why I find it sad when people just decide to attack Irish football without really knowing what they're talking about half the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, w- with uh, Lansing we get people, you know, we, we try to have both sides of it, the good and the bad. Um, and I've actually had people come up to me and saying, look, can you stop mentioning this and mentioning that? Like, we just want to crack on with the games, basically, you know, not um, just constantly talk about the bad stuff. So, so there are a, a fair few people that do. You know, feel the same way there. Yeah. Um, do you feel the reputation of the FEI, the brand that the FEI mm-hmm. has been damaged beyond repair?
1: Um, I don't think, but no, I don't think it's damaged beyond repair. I think that any organisation, or I mean, if you look at Volkswagen, for example, they went through something that, the scandal, credible. Yeah. And would you say Volkswagen is 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 a toxic brand now? I would say their sales are flying. Their sponsors of your twenty twenty um and they've done a great job to come out of that um i just hope to god that the fbi can go the way they should go i mean for me it's really clear what we need to do as an organization to become a trusted organization to become a really strong organization and i would love to see the fbi being the best sports organization um, in europe and you shouldn't hold yourself back um, you shouldn't i mean i saw federations like portugal sweden and a number of other federations i work worked closely with go from pretty um pretty, yeah, low levels, I guess, to extraordinary organizations. And I don't just mean on the pitch. I mean in uh, marketing, commercial, regulatory, openness, transparency, governance, um, public affairs, communications, all these different areas that we would work on. I've seen federations become outstanding over the last few years. We know how to do it. Um, So I don't, I think even with commercial partners, for example, yeah, we've had to hold our hands to this. But I think that they want to be part now of um, a rejuvenation, a new, a new organisation, a new evolved organisation. I mean, people talk about should you change the name of the FAI? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's easy to do it. You call it Football Ireland or whatever you want to call it. But the FAI has a long history. I mean, we've done great things and done things that aren't great, of course, like any organisation. Um, I think that we just need to do by our actions, not by changing names or changing logos and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't make any sense really to me. I mean, you could do it just for an aesthetic. You should never rule it out. Uh, but at the same time, I think we have to take what's happened on the chin, deal with it, and move on. Fair
0: enough. Um, um, just to really finish up with, I mean, John Delaney's gone. CEO jobs, for yeah. grabs.
1: Yeah. Are you going to go for it? Um, no, is the answer. Um, the Six months, I've loved every minute of it. Could I do the job really well and, and and take the FBI to a different level working with the new board? Absolutely, of course. But I just think the timing um, would not work. I mean, obviously, you've got uh, the government who um, who would not be in favour, I guess. And that would be a distinct disadvantage going into anything, uh, into an interview situation, when people would know from reading the newspapers that the government are not delighted you're there, which for me is, is crazy. But that's just there. That's a fact, that's a point of fact. Um, Also, my family as well. Um, I had my first baby six weeks ago, and that's tough. I'm away from little Sean. I see him growing up on FaceTime, which is not ideal. So we need to get back together as a family in Switzerland. We have a huge project at UEFA that I'll be delivering called Football Federations of the Future, which is what we wrote last year, which was we work with the federations, the national associations, the Champions League clubs, lots of top sponsors and things to write what does a football federation look like in 2024 whether it's a huge one like in England, a medium-sized one like in Slovakia, or a small one like in Liechtenstein. So we've written basically the book of what Football Federation should look like in all the different areas. So that took me three or four years to write. It was a labour of love, but it's done now, and UEFA will start implementing it um, when I go back. And that will be an enormous project to look at building standards for national associations, a little bit similar to the licensing that we have for clubs that play in European competition. So that's a really exciting next few years at for building European football, I will miss the FBI immensely, mm. because I've enjoyed every moment of it, and I think part of me it's a bit of a shame actually, that you can't do it. But that's Do
0: you right. feel frustrated, because it seems like a bit of an agenda with Shane Ross, that he's kind of withholding money, and do you feel sort of frustrated that you're not being given a chance? Mm. You could be the, the worst yeah. CEO, yeah. although you'd have to do, you'd have to really really outdo uh, the last
1: fella, or you could be the best CEO. I mean, you could be the best. I like to think I would be um, yeah. very strong um, in the role, but you also have to look at the macro picture, and the macro picture is today that the minister who is responsible for sports would prefer that I wasn't there. Um, I don't understand it, but um, I understand politics um, and I understand how the world works. Yeah. I'm not naive, so it can't be about a person. It has to be about the game and the right thing for the game now is to leave and to let the government restore that money really quickly to grassroots programs, projects all over Ireland. I mean, I think that's wrong, that um, it's withheld at the moment. I think that's just wrong. And it's a real problem because um, there's grassroots projects all over the country that we can't fund at the moment. So this kid's not playing football because of this. Um, and that's just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you can even ring fence money. You can drip it. You can put it directly into the programs. But the fact is, of today, the FA gets nothing from the government, we're fully funded um, in terms of going forward with UEFA, who've stepped up to the mark, plus our partners of course, and ticket revenue from matches, all that stuff, so it's really tough, um, it's tough, but it's just, you have to recognise the right moments, and it's a real shame, I will find it very difficult to hand the baton back when I do go at the end of November, um, because I can see it so clearly in my head what we need to do, and not to be allowed in many ways to deliver that, I think it's a shame, but you just have to accept that your challenge is not in Ireland in December, your challenge is Europe, and just yeah. go back to Europe and drive that oh, Ireland. Just go back to just Europe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and now thank you very much for joining us here in Tbilisi, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And hopefully here's to uh, three points uh, tomorrow, and uh, minimum a draw on uh, Tuesday.
1: Yeah, we're all praying for it, we're all hoping for it, and hopefully next time I see you which might be for the um, Denmark match at home in November that we're in a much we're nearly there or we are there I mean, if we get the six points we've obviously got Switzerland and Denmark playing it's dead rubber then isn't it <laughs> dead rubber so great please let's do. hope for the best and come on you boys in green and come on you girls in green <laughs> thank you very much Dom.
0: and that was our chat in Tbilisi with outgoing general manager of the FAI Noel Mooney thank you so much for listening everybody we really do appreciate your support if you haven't done so already uh, please like and share we're on Facebook we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. We've also got the website, lancelinroar.ie. Uh, please join us again for the next episode of Lancelinroar. Thank you.